Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the greatest games on the Blizzard. Good to have you with us. My name is Marcus. With me, of course, is Jonathan Wilson. And with us today is David Diaz Bejarano, the uh, political scientist and founder of PinceladasDeFootball.com, which is a Colombian-based journalistic project that envisions football as a social and cultural phenomenon. David, pleasure to have you on the pod. Thank you guys for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, today we go back to October 1987 to the Copa Libertadores final playoff that ended Peñarol 1, America de Cali 0. David, why have you chosen this game? I think that uh, in the whole history of football, um, I don't think you can find another scenario or another situation where a, a team actually uh, arrives for the third consecutive time to a final <laughs> and still manages to lose it. I don't know if uh, in the history of the World Cup or the, <laughs> or the Champions League or, or in Africa or in Asia, I think what happened with uh, America de Cali in 1987 was pretty historic in the sense that uh, America managed to reach the final in 85, 86, 87 and still lost every one of them. Just for the historic side, I don't think that's ever happened in another scenario. Mm -hmm. I think also for uh, in the context of the Copa Libertadores, I think it, it could be the most dramatic one. I mean, in the sense of uh, uh, it took place in uh, it, it needed three matches to to decide the winner. And uh, Peñarol actually won it uh, in the 120th minutes in the third match. So I think uh, just for the history of the Copa Libertadores, it might be one of the most uh, relevant and uh, important finals. And um, but I think what we should also say there is that when you say they won it in the 120th minute, it's not that it was about to go to penalties. Mm. It's that because of this very uh, strange format that existed in South America at the time, um, even though the aggregate score from the first two first two games was uh, was in favour of America de Cali, they then go to a playoff, and it's nil nil after ninety minutes. It's nil nil after one hundred and twenty minutes. But if it had stayed nil nil, yeah, they would have won it on 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 goal difference. So they're literally thirty seconds from winning the Libertadores, mm -hmm. and then this one goal takes it away from them. So it's not one goal stops it being a draw. It's one goal turns a victory into a defeat. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I would add that uh, the 80s was a very problematic time for us in Colombia in the sense that uh, drug money uh, proved to be a major issue in, uh, in, in our country and in our region. And America de Cali was actually one of the teams that was backed by uh, the Cali cartel and back then. And for America and for uh, the cartel, actually, Winning the Copa Libertadores was actually the major ambition that we had because uh, locally America was winning everything, uh, the, the, the national tournaments. But winning the Copa Libertadores for America was like this big ambition that uh, America had, but also the cartel had, and it could not, could not prove to be possible because of this, this match. And also, if you, if you think about it, it was the third final in a row, so... Uh, I don't know if you, what you guys think, but maybe some some background on some of these issues could be could be interesting. Yes, I mean the, the cartel uh, they they buy the club what late seventies is that right? Actually, America de Cali at the beginning uh, it's a club that was founded in uh, nineteen twenty seven, 
And at the beginning, it was a very humble book. It was called the, the Passion of the People, La Pasión del Pueblo. And, he, and it was very humble. It was a very humble team, which uh, identified with the poor and uh, rural uh, sides of the Cali, the, the city of Cali. Um, as time went on, um, the club had uh, some elements that I think people should, uh, could, should, should find interesting. Uh, it's called uh, the Red Devils, Los Diablos Rojos, and uh, it's, it plays with this uh, red uh, uniform. And um, back, in, back in 1948, it's just uh, something that uh, Benfica fans will relate to. A former player called uh, Garabato uh, placed a curse on America. When America was, uh, was uh, transitioning towards professionalism and, and stopped being an amateur club, Garabato was not very happy about it. And he placed a, a curse on America and said, uh, America de Cali will never, will never win uh, a championship. We had to wait until 1979 to actually win our first championship in, uh, in Colombia. And uh, it coincides with the time where uh, actually the, the cartel bought the club but uh, America de Cali around uh, the 80s. So uh, the 80s, it's really the time uh, in Colombia where uh, the, our internal conflict starts to really, I don't know, worsen. Uh, Colombia has had a, a, we are now implementing our peace agreement, which is actually going well. But back, <coughs> back in the day, in, since 1948, we had an internal conflict and, it was during the 80s that all the dynamics of uh, drug money that started to uh, permeate uh, Colombia, that we ended up with uh, many teams being backed up by cartels. America mm -hmm. was backed by the Cali cartel. Uh, Nacional uh, was backed by the Medellin cartel. And basically, it was something that if you think about it and all the war against drugs uh, thing. We, it's been uh, 60 years and as a international community, we're still discussing and debating what's the best uh, course of action to tackle the, the drugs issue. But the, the reality is there's always been um, a lot of supply and demand. And uh, in this context, Colombia has been, has been uh, I don't know, it's been very problematic for us in, in, this, in this sense. And there's been, during the 80s, this uh, law of supply and demand meant that uh, it was one of the periods where uh, drug money proved to be uh, a major factor in, in our football. Mm. And I mean, it's a huge part of the stories you've, you've obviously sort of mapped out there. I mean, for anybody who's watched the television show Narcos, and I'm sure you're sort of probably fed up of, 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 yeah, of that yeah. being linked, but one, one would be aware. Of, of the Cali cartel and 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 their exploits, if you like, um, in, with regards to getting involved in football, how was it seen by the 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 locals and the fans? Was this seen as quite a regrettable situation? Was it seen I mean, as it, inevitable? It's uh, in a sense, I guess it's uh, it's somewhat in, inevitable in a mm. way. If, if you think about it, the whole dynamics of the drugs against wars, uh, the the war against drugs. If you think about it, Colombia, because of its uh, geographical components and uh, its geographical topography, has always been like the the, the producer of drugs. But uh, it's it's not something we Colombians like endorse or are proud about. Like, we actually hate it and we've been uh, mm -hmm. trying to fight uh, against it for for, centuries, for for decades. So, but uh, particularly against the, the question you asked me, it's just 
it happened to be America. It happened mm-hmm. the, the cartel mm-hmm. proved to be in Cali. Uh, America proved to be the the team that uh, that was chosen in a way, and uh, in a way, the supporters, the America supporters, they just indulge in it. Mm. I don't know if you think about it. Uh, I, I always like to draw this parallel with uh, what's going on right now in 2021. Back then, maybe it was drug money with uh, the cartels and all this. Now you have been globalization. You have like these huge amounts of money that are coming from uh, the Emirates or, or Qatar or whatever. We have like this uh, fair play, uh, financial fair play uh, regulations that prove to be also quite challenging. And you have teams like, uh, I don't know, like Manchester City, PSG, where huge amounts of money are are changing the whole dynamic. And you see fans just indulging on it. And Mm -hmm. I don't see many fans like are pissed off about it. And that's what happened with America. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's fans just uh, indulge about it. And America started to buy... uh, Marvelous players uh, back then, uh, Falcioni, Gareca. The 80s in Colombia proved to be like a second El Dorado, if you think about it. If, uh, if the first El Dorado was, was back then in, uh, with the, the Steph and all that during the 80s, uh, the Colombian league was, uh, was plenty with, uh, with stars. But I mean, it seems that they, from a football point of view, they actually made some really good decisions. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that pretty much throughout this period we're talking about, so for 12 years, the coach was... Gabriel Ochoa Uribe. So they, they tried to get Juan Carlos Lorenzo, the, the Argentinian who coached Argentina at the World Cups of 62 and 66, who'd had great success with Boca. He turned them down. And they then turned to, to Ochoa Uribe, who, I mean, he'd had great success both as a player and as a, as a manager with um, Milanarios. United, yeah. And, uh, but then he, you know, he's there all the way through this period, which, I mean, for any manager at any club to... To have a twelve-year reign is incredible, but it 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 seems to me particularly incredible when you have very wealthy and I, I presume very demanding owners. Yeah, of course. And uh, Ochoa Uribe is actually a very important piece of the puzzle in in Colombia's football history. He was like, uh, if uh, if we are to think about those uh, managers that gave us Colombians our football identity, we tend to think uh, first of uh, Francisco Maturana. And, but uh, actually, before Maturana, Ochoa Uribe was, was, was the guy that actually showed us many things about uh, how to play football. And uh, Ochoa Uribe managed to do this, like you said, with Millonarios. And with America, he, he got like this backing and uh, his, this financial backing to really uh, build this all-star team that ended up being America de Cali in the, in the 80s. And they are, I mean, we should, we should say exactly what they won. So they, they win the league in 79, 82, 83, 84, 85, 86, and then again in 1990. So this final we're talking about in 87, they're coming off the back of five successive Colombian titles. So they really are, you know, an extremely good side. Yeah, of course. And uh, back then, uh, locally, we, we were, uh, I say we because uh, I, I got to admit I'm a supporter of America. <laughs> but uh, back then we were uh, we were there was like this huge there were these huge rivalries with uh, Nacional and Millonarios and uh, and but locally we were winning everything for us it became the obsession to win the Copa Libertadores and to be the first Colombian team to actually win it that became like the the, the real challenge for America. And our first uh, real attempt to actually do it was in 85. 
in 85, we managed to get to the final, which we played against Argentino Juniors. And it was like this dramatic final. It was like uh, three matches. America won the first one, uh, one nil. Argentinos won the second match, one nil. A third match was needed to actually decide who was going to be the winner. This third match was played uh, as in South American rules in neutral ground in, in um, Asuncion, I think, in Paraguay. And uh, it went to the, it was decided by penalties. And uh, we lost. So it was our first uh, traumatic uh, defeat at this sense. And uh, there was this player, uh, Anthony de Avila, Anthony Pipa de Avila, who who was the guy who, who missed the final shot. And he was, uh, I don't know if you guys, but America, America's uh, badge uh, features a, a red devil. That's why they, they called us the, the red devil. And uh, Pipa de Avila, Antonio, he was a very Catholic player. And uh, after that, after that, uh, that incident, he started to, to hide the, the badge with, uh, <laughs> because he, he felt like this uh, bad vibe with the devil and all this. And, uh, but that was, 85 was the, the first Copa Libertadores final that we lost. And uh, for, as you, as your listeners might understand, the Copa Libertadores for us is like the Champions League for Europeans. So it's a, mm. it's a major blow, but it was our first attempt. And then you, so you, you're talking about being the first Colombian side to win it. So the first Colombian side to reach the final was Deportivo Cali in 70, Yeah, with uh, yeah. Bilardo. And, and, and then this is the second time a Colombian side gets there. And then again in 86 when they lose both games against River Plate. So yeah, 86, it was like, uh, okay, well, there we go again. Second consecutive final. Uh, this time's our time. And yeah, like you said, we, we lost both matches. It was with the River Plate in 86. Uh, we had no major regrets. They were they were better, and uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. there was not much we could do about it. But then after after two finals, there we go, eighty seven and America, Colombia. We are pretty much like okay, now's our time. Now's our but time. But I mean, and- even even to get to this final is an incredible story. Mm. I mean, it's the the the, the number of near misses to, to stay in the tournament is incredible. So, I mean, one of the things that I I, I can't. I mean, this is me and my very boring European mindset. Every time I look at the Libertadores, A, it takes me 10 minutes to work out what on earth the structure was because it changes all the time. And <laughs> yeah. there's no logic in anything Conor will ever do. And yet somehow, no matter how stupid the structure, it always produces incredible drama. Hmm. So the, the way it worked uh, this in, in, in 87, the six groups of four, and the top team in each group goes through to... What do you even call them? Semi-finals? There's two groups of three in the semi-finals. And the end of the first group stage, um, America are playing the strongest than Bolivia, and they need to win by six to, to make it into this semi-final group. And in the 89th minute, Goeka scores to make it 6-0. I mean, that, that in itself is incredible. Yeah, for instance. And, <laughs> for instance, and, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I won't say that, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. It, I mean, yes, it's dramatic, I suppose. Yeah. And then the, the the semi final group, they have to beat Barcelona from obviously from from Guayaquil, not not the Spanish Ecuador, Barcelona. Yeah. Have to beat them four uh, nil uh, or by four to, to to make it to the final, and sure enough, they win it four nil. Amazing! What a story. <laughs> 
and it's just like uh like you said it's like uh like this anxiety that's uh, building up and building up and and and, and when, when uh gareca scores us gold maybe and you start to think like now's our time now's mm-hmm. our time now it's gonna, uh, it's gonna happen because again one of the, the most uh pecu- peculiar things about this uh episode is i don't think this has happened in uh in another time in history i don't recall uh an european mm-hmm. team that has lost the three champions league finals in a row or uh, i don't i don't i don't, mm-hmm. I don't have the authority to say it has not happened but it's a very it's a very rare thing. I mean, that's something we can all agree, and especially for the money that was put into the club, the success they had domestically, and the experience as well. Because as you say, penalty shootout, you know, it goes right to the wire. You know, it's it's a very fine margin. They have the final where they're beaten soundly by River, I think he said, uh, and it, this one comes along. And and a Colombian side had not won the Copa Libertadores, which of course was established in 1960. You'd had, as Jonathan said, Deportivo Cali in the final previously, but, but Colombian sides didn't regularly reach the final. And, and there they were in their third final and with that ownership as well, wanting the success and all the fans as well, wanting the success, they go into it to try and be the first Colombian side to win this precious tournament. And I think uh, one of the underlying themes I, I can identify with uh, the style of uh, misfortune of uh, America is uh, we Colombians, uh, we have improved a lot in terms of football in recent decades, if you think about it. We've, uh, we've been through a couple of World Cups. Uh, we've reached the quarterfinals in uh, 2014. But there's one thing about the Colombian uh, mentality that's, uh, I think that's where we're lacking. And it's this, uh, where, where things get like real and you have to, really deliver on on a, on a certain moment there's this thing about colombian mentality that we we've been trying to really improve upon and it's to to really like deliver when 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 you have to and uh america back in the day it was like this personification of colombia in the sense that we were trying to beat uh, argentina uruguay uh, and we just were, we were missing like this uh, these two inches to really do it. And uh, in the other the other team in the other side we had like Peñarol, and as you guys know, Peñarol is this huge institution of uh, South American football. It's the personification of the the myth of the Garra Charrua of this uh, never say never spirit, never surrender, never. Never die. And uh, when in 87, we knew that the final was going to be against Uruguay. We were like uh, thinking, okay, now now's our time to really show uh, South America that Colombia is uh, ready to turn the page and really mm-hmm. deliver. And uh, that's where the, the match will, will begin. Mm. All right, chaps. Let's have a quick break. And after which we will talk about the match itself. See you in a moment, everybody. Welcome back to the greatest games on the blizzard. So then, uh, David, um, just to give a little bit more admin uh, around this uh, final, um, because if anybody has looked at the, at the at the scores in this final, as I did researching this game, I thought, well, hang on, the first leg ended 2-0 to Cali, and they scored two great goals, by the way. It's worth digging out the grainy footage for that. And Peñarol won the second leg 2-1. But of course, 
the the way they did the the final then it was a point system rather than aggregate two points for a win one for a draw and obviously zero for a loss which does seem a little odd to say the least but Jonathan's already um, mentioned the oddness of uh, of of some of the uh, the decisions that are made in the in the escalons of, of South American football so he goes to a playoff a neutral ground because well, we should really sides... so we should talk about that second leg because well okay yeah. they're so close even yes. then to winning it that that um uh, first half, America take the lead. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Cavanias header from a from a corner. So they they've won the they've got the two points in the bag. They can't mm-hmm. lose those. They're there. Yep. They're safe. <laughs> they won it off in the in the second leg, and then they just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. And I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend I've watched the whole game. I've watched sort of twelve minutes of highlights. But mm-hmm. you can see even in the highlights, you can see it happening. Yeah. And then um, there, there's a uh, a head of Magire after. Uh, midway through the half, 60, 68, 69 minutes, something like that, mm-hmm. to make it 1-1 on the night. But even then, that's enough. That's enough for yeah. America to win it. And then three minutes to go, a brilliant free kick from Villar. Um, and suddenly it's 2-1 and we're going to a playoff. You're really rubbing it into poor old David. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we should say as well about this Peñuel. They, 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 are, they are really, I mean, again, judging from highlights, they look a really good side. I got sort of lured down a, a rabbit hole oh. of watching highlights of Peñarol. <laughs> so they're coached by Oscar Tabaras, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. who's only, I guess, like 40 or something here. But he looks exactly the same as how he looks now. I, I should hope so, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Tabaras has, has never changed. You know, he, I know it's become a cliche to describe football managers as looking like detectives, but no man has ever looked <laughs> so like the stern precinct chief in a 1970s American cop drama. <laughs> and, um, you know, he's been Uruguay coach since, what, since 2006? Yeah, so fifteen so. years in that job, mm-hmm. um, but they 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 got through that semi final group. They won four two away at Independiente, and the four goals they scored in the second half of that game are brilliant counter attacks. Yeah. They, they're mm-hmm. clearly a really really good counter attacking team, and it's worth. I mean, the footage is is terrible, but it's it's worth digging out the footage of that just for the the excitement of a commenter in the sense of this sudden sort of unstoppable yellow and black wave that Independiente just sort of I mean I guess they need to win to to, to stay in with a chance of, of getting through and so they overcommit but just getting picked off on the break over and over again but I guess the point is this wasn't on the break they mm. America were, were sitting so deep they just let them come onto them and so that takes it to this to this playoff mm. exactly and the the playoff just uh to add some uh I think that uh the playoff took place on uh, the 35 31st of October. I mean, it took place in Halloween. So for the Red Devils, it should be So for the Red Devils, it should have been like something good. And uh, and during this whole time, there is this whole uh, drama of America not being able to win the Copa Libertadores. I told you guys about the Garabato course, about this former player who had uh, supposedly put a course on the, on the team. So uh, when America won its first title in 79, national local title, it was uh, people thought that uh, maybe the course had been lifted, and when America started losing uh, this uh, Copa Libertadores finals, everybody was like, "Maybe the course is still on. Maybe the course is still on." And and uh, <laughs> actually, uh, a, a ritual of uh, exorcism took place in the in the pitch of the America's stadium back in 1980 to try to lift this famous course, which actually resonates a lot 
with uh, Benfica, curse of Bella Gutman, and you think about it, Benfica is also mm-hmm. red. And I don't know, maybe the the gods of football, what, what were they yeah, but thinking? They're, but they're not called the devils, though, are they, David? You know, you're not helping yourself out there. <laughs> <laughs> In any case, when uh, before this match, uh, people actually were asking Garabato if this, the course had been lifted, and he was saying, "Yeah, of course, it's okay." Which takes us uh, to this match, which uh, its circumstances are so rather dramatic in the sense that it took place just uh, three days after the the second match. I mean, the players were actually were, were actually really tired and uh, and stuff. But I think, in a sense, what I think and I find most uh, interesting is it happens a lot in uh, in football nowadays when. Uh, America with a draw was going to be champion. So how do you approach a match like this? It happens all the time. It happens to the best mm. of coaches. Do you, you try to win it or do you try not to lose? And actually what Ochoa Uribe did, he, uh, he played like a, a, catenacho, a catenacho proposal for this game. He, he did everything in his book to try to to stall the game, to to prevent, uh, to pre- he, he to this day there are lots of supporters in Colombia and America who who blame him because he tried not to lose, and uh, you, you can you can show it during during the course of the game. I mean, it's not it wasn't a ridiculous um, tactic to try and do that because Jonathan, you said yourself, you know, with uh, watching. Um, Peñarol, you know, counter-attacking, they were very effective. I mean, even in the two legs, um, the home and away ties in this final, you know, there were chances at, at either end. So actually, if they were better on the break, you know, to play defensively like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a matter of degrees. And he was so close. There so was close. so close, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, and I, David. I, and <laughs> the, the other... The other um, uh, the other point that that uh, Goeka gets injured mm-hmm. with what about ten minutes of normal time to go, and he brings on Espanier, a defender for him, and you sort of think, uh, I mean, Goeka, we should say is sort of a, mm-hmm. a centre forward. I, I think actually a really beautiful player. I kind of every time I see highlights of him, I sort of think what a what a great player he he was. Played for Vélez as well, um, but he's what six two something like that. Yeah, tall, thin. Great control, but but not sort of a, not really a target man. Somebody who was very good on the ball could kind of, very good at finding a pass. I think just a, a really lovely centre forward. But to, when you lose your centre forward, obviously it's it's going to hamper you. But to bring on a central defender with ten minutes plus injury time to go, that seems to be the moment at which I can't quite justify a Joe Ribas approach. And you think of the first. You know, the first three halves of a game, if that makes sense, the mm. the entirety of the first leg, the first half of the second leg, by playing a relatively balanced game, America are, are on top, they're winning. And then as they get more and more nervous, they get deeper and deeper, that's yeah, when the problems yeah. begin. Mm-hmm. I mean, David, who who were favourites going into this game? Because you mentioned Peñarol, you know, giants of South American football. But I mean... You know, America weren't exactly a bad side. You know, lots of uh, domestic success and and an impressive squad. I mean, in terms of uh, history, by when the the match was played, Peñarol had uh, had already won, uh, I think, uh, two or three Copa Libertadores, maybe three, three. Mm-hmm. three. three. They, were, they, they won the first two, and then they won it again in 
82, I think. Yeah, there Typically. you go, 82. They won it yeah. on 61, 62, and, uh, and 82. So in terms of uh, history, it was clear that America was going against one of the major teams in South America. But again, the lineup of America had players who, who were really amongst the, the best uh, in the continent, in, uh, in South America. I mean, players like uh, Roberto Cabañas back then, Ricardo Vareca, Julio Cesar Falcioni. Falcioni was, was maybe perhaps one of the best keepers in the, in the whole continent back then. So it was, uh, it was, you could say that, I don't know, it's uh, as if, uh, I don't know, Manchester City was going to, to play against uh, Barcelona or something like that. Yeah, of course, yeah, Peñarol yeah. had all the, the, the tradition, the history, but maybe mm-hmm. America had a, a really brilliant uh, generation of players. And, and I'm, I'm forgetting to talk about uh, Willington Ortiz. Willington Ortiz was, was uh, among uh, America's players. And uh, Willington Ortiz is one of our brightest talents and uh, uh, a real, a real pearl of, uh, gem of a, of a player. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just wanted to, 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 to as a as a young supporter of America, uh, this uh, match uh, has left like a big scar in uh, in Cali and its supporters because, uh, uh, as you may know, Jonathan, yeah, if when you see the footage. It's uh, one of the major things I can relate as, a, as someone whose mother tongue is Spanish and I'm Colombian is when I listen to the Uruguayan commentator uh, in, the, in the live footage. He has surrendered. When you listen to the, to the footage, he, he says, the, the Uruguayan says, there's no, there's no more time. We lost. And for a Uruguayan to actually say that, I, I thought was like, yeah, they, they thought they had lost it. But then, yeah. then you, you start to see like this uh, magnet that's like drawing the ball towards America's... Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's plenty happens in the game before that. I mean, there's the... Uh, yeah, Gareca has an overhead kick in the first half, which maybe he should do better with. He puts it wide. Uh, Vieira... Uh, Sorry, can, I, can I just jump in there, Jonathan? The amount of overhead kicks in general throughout these highlights <laughs> of this game is utterly glorious. <laughs> it really is great. But from, from a European football fan, you do think to yourself, yeah, they do it better in South America. <laughs> Carry on. Then, then Ricardo Vieira, the, the uh, Peñarol midfielder, he, he, uh, he's sort of like 20 yards out. This sort of clip, it's never going in, but it hits the outside of the post. Mm. It's, it's, it's close. There's a goal ruled out for offside, which in the angle of a camera, it's impossible to tell, but it's, it's close. You can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 16 minutes ago, there's two red cards, which I have to say, I don't know what one of them's for. I've got no idea what one of them's for. <laughs> but uh, Cabanas is sort of shepherding the ball out by the corner flag, and Herrera takes a huge swipe at him. And that's a red card for Herrera, absolutely. And then Herrera collapses, clutching his breadbasket, shall we say. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if, he, if Cabanas managed to punch him as he went down, but he, it's not clear on the footage at all. But they yeah. both get red cards. Um, then there's that really odd incident when um, a Peñarol defender chests the ball against his own crossbar. Is, <laughs> yeah. well, I, I watched that about five times before I worked out what was going on. What, what was he trying to do? How, and also, how can you how can you chest the ball that hard? Well, as we saw in the in the second leg, he's trying to chest himself up for the for the overhead kick clearance, <laughs> which is a wonderful uh, yeah. uh, thing. It's creative, at least. And- yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. You can, but as you said, there's such drama. 
And, and then Peniel should clearly have a penalty just before the end of normal oh, time. Oh, my goodness, yeah. That's <laughs> the outrageous decision not to give that. So, yeah, um, Villar's going through and, and Valencia, the right back, just chops him down. Valencia has a terrible game, right? I mean, he, 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 I mean, again, I'm judging from sort of 12, 15 minutes of highlights, but Valencia doesn't seem to make a clean tackle in the entire match. I mean, that, but that, that was one, a blatant oof, penalty. I did. <laughs> Yeah, I was astounded looking at that, thinking because when I saw the foul, I thought, "Oh, there's a missed penalty in the game." <laughs> oh no, no, it wasn't given, um, which was quite incredible. But yes, we get into extra time. But as you say, um, David, you know, the Uruguayans they were down on their their knees, they were exhausted, they they looked defeated, and you know, America's plan of of not losing, perhaps. Okay, they as Jonathan's mapped out there. You know, there's a few near misses and whatnot, but they must think to themselves, "Right, we, we're nearly here." We've nearly got it, guys. And yeah, and uh, it's it's when uh, I think you start to to think about it. It's not just this match. It's not just this final. It's just like this energy that's been building up for over mm-hmm. a couple of years. I mean, you, when I think some of the players uh, they they've spoken afterwards about about that match, and it just this huge pressure in their in their shoulders. They they're like seeing the, the the light at the end of the tunnel, and they're just like uh, thinking, "Okay, finally, finally, we're gonna do it." And uh, as I was telling you, it's uh, when we're reaching the the end of the the match, the the Uruguayan commentator he he surrenders, and it's just at this time where uh, where the, the 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 ball, I don't know, it's like when when you see the footage, it's uh, as a young supporter of America, I'm like uh, just just. You feel, you feel, uh, you try to, of course, the match is already done. But as mm. a young supporter, uh, you are like, just kick the ball away. Just, <laughs> just throw it away. Just, uh, it's done. It's done. We, we, we're, but, but you see like the, the ball, like, uh, like magic. It's, it's like, and, uh, and that's when you see Aguirre. And Aguirre, he was like uh, this little kind of player. He just took it and, and he shot and, and that was it. And when he scores, uh, this is, I think, the Garra Charrua has had many, many moments because, uh, of course, the, the, the tradition of Uruguay has been built uh, through many episodes, uh, Maracanazo and stuff. But I think among those uh, episodes, uh, you have this match because when uh, Aguirre scores, you can hear the, the Uruguayan commentator like resurrecting. <laughs> Just a couple of seconds before he was saying, we are done, we were, we lost. Uh, and then when Aguirre scores, he's like, the garra charrua, we Uruguayans are like this. And and he exalts and this. And, and uh, it was, the footage, it's gonna, it's amazing if you if you look at it. The commentary is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you don't speak Spanish, the, just the emotion of the commentary is very, very clear. But the goal is a, it's a ridiculous goal because... You can see the players are waiting for the final whistle. They're not really kind of getting into shape. So the ball's cleared um, from the America box, and there's just sort of a, a load of players milling about. There's no sort of pattern to it. And the ball's sort of knocked back forwards. And then Aguirre sort of puts it one side of, I think it's Valencia, runs around the other side, gets to the corner of the box, and then absolutely lashes it bottom corner from just inside the box. And Falcioni. Yeah, no chance of getting there. No, it but it's wasn't. a goal completely from nothing. Like absolutely from nothing. There's no suggestion of a hint of a threat. 
Mm-hmm. And then one touch past the defender, one touch in the bottom corner, and it's it's over. And but it shows you how lethal Aguirre was as well. There's uh, there's this anecdote because in Colombia back then we had uh, 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 a power shortage. We we were like dealing with a stop mm-hmm. uh, power shortage. And uh, back then, when the match was like in uh, in the 119th minute, there was a power shortage in a oh, big no. region of, of Colombia in Cali. <laughs> oh, no. So when people in Cali the the power shortage watch well, occurred. They were like celebrating and yeah, we won, we won. And when the power came back and they saw like uh, wow. Peñarol players celebrating, they were like, what? What is this? This is a joke. And, and again, it plays on with the, the mm. Halloween uh, Dia de las Brujas, which we take like seriously in Colombia. You know? And it's like this, what is this curse? What has America done <laughs> to the world to deserve this? And uh, and yeah, to this day, it's it's yes. Ever since uh, America reached actually a fourth uh, final of Copa Libertadores in '96, which again we lost against River Plate. And uh, ever since, I, I I I'm glad to say that America, how to put it into words, but America paid for its sins in the sense that America, of course, was a, a club backed by a cartel in, in a period of our history. But America was is, is the only club that was uh, punished by, uh, let's say, how to speak, um, by the law. And it was uh, demoted back to the second division in Colombia, where it uh, spent uh, a couple of years. And it actually helped to cleanse the, the team in, in a way. And we came back to the first division and we're doing quite good as of now. America has won the two latest uh, championships in in uh, in Colombia. Mm, but that, and, uh, and Falcioni as well carried the curse. He, he he led Boca in the 2012 Libertadores final when they lost to Corinthians, and that was when there was a whole falling out with Riquelme and and so these curses i mean they shouldn't really work but they, they do kind of seem to yeah well the sunderland's one was lifted uh, oh don't, yeah, don't, don't start me off <laughs> i thought i'd get the sunderland the cursory mention uh, no pun intended there um for them but uh but i mean it, you know it, it, in 1989 a colombian side would win the copa libertadores for the first time a colombian side would do it but it's of course atletico nacional and not um and not uh, America. Um, and as you say, you know, not many times uh, Colombian sides have won the cup. I mean, Once Caldas and and again, Atletico Nacional fairly recently. Um, but I mean, it's an extraordinary. And you said that this has been a scar on um, America de Cali. And 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 is it? I mean, I suppose you talk about the the psyche of Colombian football fans, or maybe Colombian people. You could you could extrapolate that out to compared to say Uruguay, where you saw that never say die spirit and it came true for them in Colombia you know it ends in disappointment obviously it became it became true you know is this still in the in the psyche of Colombian people or or more specifically America fans I wouldn't say Colombian people because uh, okay uh, we Colombians we tend to to be quite resilient because of all the hardships Mm -hmm. we have to to endure and uh, have to overcome so I wouldn't say that we Colombians suffer from that but Specifically in the football mm. sport, I would say that we Colombians are lacking because if you think about it, we have in other sports we have uh, maybe Mariana Pajon, she's like the world's best uh, BMX uh, uh, rider, 
We have uh, Egan Bernal. He won the Tour de France. Uh, he's Colombian, which places among the best cyclists in the world. It's just in football. In football, I think that Colombians, we, we have not uh, quite managed to, 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 to reach that level of confidence. It's just mental confidence to, to really deliver in, uh, in those big occasions. And the America story that we just shared, of course, is just uh, an example of that. Um, against Uruguay, we, we beat Uruguay actually during the, the World Cup in 2014 which was uh, maybe a, a big revenge for us Colombians in, in, in that sense. But uh, to be honest, Colombia, to this day, we have not won uh, a World Cup. We have not won. Uh, we have won Copa America, which we won under peculiar circumstances. So we, in the sport of football, Colombia, we are still like, uh, we have the talent, but we are still waiting like to, to really gel. And we have like this, trauma of uh, our golden generation of uh, the 90s, Valderrama, all this, that uh, it ended up being uh, underachievers in the sense that the, the expectations were so high and, oh, yeah. uh, and they could not deliver. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just to sum it up, I think that more and more when I try to, when I write about football in, in my project, Inselaz de Football, I try to, to really emphasize how Colombia in other sports in uh, in weightlifting, in cyclists, in uh, in BMX riding, the mentality is actually stronger. The mentality they have is it's uh, it's really admirable. And when Egan Bernal won the Tour de France, he was he was he was something really inspiring. It's just in football in Col in football Colombian, we are still missing like that uh, killer instinct. Just to mm -hmm. put it into words, like uh, that maybe other nations in South America have. Yeah. Absolutely. David, it's been fascinating talking to you about this. Thank you very much for coming on the pod and talking to us about uh, poor old America, the Cali. No, thank you, Marcus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks again, uh, Jonathan. Uh, I congratulate you again on 10 years of greatness. What you have achieved with the, the blazer is really something uh, unique in the sense that you've created like this uh, global conversation uh, towards football and uh, Thank you. You have been a big inspiration and I wish you all the best with the Blizzard and, and all your endeavors. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Well, for more stories like that, ladies and gentlemen, do check out theblizzard.co.uk or, of course, David's website. Do check out that as well, pinceladasdefootball.com. We'll be back next week with another great game from the history of football. See you then. 